0: Welcome to the Life Church Podcast. I'm Tim Blevins, lead pastor, and I'm honored you have come to join us. To experience our full service or for more information, check out the links in the description. I hope this message ministers to you and helps you find life in Jesus. Good morning, Life Church. How are you today? So good to see you. We want to welcome our guests. Would you join me with a good clap for all our guests that are with us? Welcome, so glad you came to church today. And if you're new to us, I want to let you know that this building is not our building. We don't own this building. We're just here on a temporary basis, and this is not our permanent home. We are renovating our new 26,000 square foot worship center. It's amazing. 600 seats will be in our new auditorium, an amazing children's wing. We're gonna have office space and we're gonna have brown dog coffee shop inside our church. It's funny, everybody claps for brown dog. I'm like, we're gonna have a worship center and it's dead quiet. Brown dog coffee, yay, it's great. Listen, I'm convinced that we love coffee in this church. I mean, not more than Jesus, but we really love coffee, amen. So listen, our new location is about two and a half miles from here, Oleander towards um, Wrightsville Beach if you're going that direction. We're renovating what used to be a skating ring into our church building. And let me just show you a quick video. This is just a a rough little video from outside. So we've had to put fence up around the building because people tried to break in. And so this is gonna be um, the entrance, although it's not made out and the window's not in yet, but one day you're gonna walk in and this is gonna be the main lobby going all the way across. There's seating gonna be right there. Right there's gonna be the coffee shop right when you walk in. (laughs) Yeah, go ahead. That lobby goes all the way across and there's back doors will be back where that scissor lift is. Right there you're looking at what will be the welcome center, and so our guests will go there, then everybody will be coming in through the two big main entrances into the back of the auditorium, and you're gonna walk in and this is gonna be an amazing worship space. The top will be painted out black and it'll you know all blend in with the stage at that end. And so it's gonna be a big space for us to worship the Lord. We see uh, air conditioning units are going in, and then after church, you'll walk your way right back out right there. So it's gonna be amazing, church. (laughs) Woo-hoo, I love it. So currently they're working on the HVAC system. You saw that. Plumbing is, is going in. It looks like a spider web in there of wiring all over the place and all that's happening. And so you saw a little bit from outside. So what's gonna happen next? They're putting in sprinkler systems next. They're going to finish the outside. They're running a large power supply into the side of our building now. Um, The new windows are gonna go in the front. So lots of big windows are going in. And then in the very near future, they'll put drywall up on those studs that you just saw. And so, so we're progressing. I met with the builder, the contractor this week and I was like, hey, I just need an update. How are we doing on our timeline? Like, you know, I need to know because I got a church that's ready because we've been setting up and breaking down. And, and just real quick, thank you, Setup team. Thank you, Breakdown team. You guys are amazing. I love you. I do appreciate you. But I'm like, people want to know when we're going to leave the Setup and go into a permanent. And so we are still on our September-ish date Everybody say ish, because what that means is we could get in sooner, woo, or maybe a little later, boo. Okay, so, but listen, we are on schedule, contractors are telling me that all the supplies are in, workers are there, and things are just progressing just as we had hoped, and so that's great. Also, we began our Courageous campaign last year where we were raising funds for our completion for our building, which includes all the chairs and everything like that. We set a goal for 1.5 million. We had a million four that was pledged to come in. And you can see since we began the campaign to raise that money, $664,000 has been given to this project. Don't give a golf clap there. That's not golf clap moment. Give a big clap. Woo, amazing. We're a generous church. You're a generous people, and I'm so grateful for you. Thank you so much. Uh, Three things that you can do to participate. Number one, pray. Please pray for our contractors. Drive by the building and and just put a hand towards the building and just pray. God bless the contractors. Give them speed. Help them to finish ahead of time and under budget. That's a miracle goal, but God can do it, right? God can do it, amen. Second thing I wanna encourage you to do is to stay engaged. Stay engaged. Worship now. Don't wait until we get there to think, I'm really gonna jump in and serve God. Uh, Start serving now. Invite your friends now. Go to sisterhood now. Join a life group now. Don't wait till then to do what God has for you now. Can I get an amen? Amen. And the third thing I want for you is to sow. Help us reach our goal of $1.5 million over the next three years. And so we would love for you to participate, to give into this campaign, to be a part of that. And so the way you can do that is you can go to our website. You can go to the Give um, button there. You can then find on there the the drop-down that says Courageous Campaign. You can do it from our app, find the Courageous Campaign, and start sowing into what God is doing so that when you walk in the building one day, you can say, I'm a part of this. I did that. And so we all want to be a part of it. Can I get one more amen, church? Amen. All right. Listen, I want to pray, and and then I have a message to share with us today. So, Father, we love you, and we're just so grateful to be in this room, God, and we thank you for now, and we thank you for what's ahead. Lord, we appreciate now, knowing that you are blessing what we're doing, but there's so much more in store for us. Thank you for every person that calls this their church home. Thank you for our guests that are here. Now, Lord, I pray that you would anoint my words. I want to preach your words today. Give me your, your boldness and your fire today in the name of Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. Well, I'm gonna preach on a topic that, that is a repeat topic. I've preached on this before back in 2010, so many of you have no idea, but some of you have been around a minute, and, and you may remember this. I preached on it in 2010, but the topic today is margin, and I'm preaching on margin. Margin is breathing room. Matter of fact, we named our series back then. Uh, we, 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 we named it, I think it was Space Makers back then, so we were making space in our life and we wanted to have room for God to move and do things in our life. And it's, it's, it's like having extra money at the end of the month. You know, like there's, there's margin in our life. Now there are two books I want to recommend to you that as you hear this message today and you think, hey, that might be something I want to study a little more. Two books I want to recommend to you. One of them is conveniently named Margin by Dr. Swenson, who most of this text and much I've learned has come out of all that. It's been great. The next one, though, is a very updated version of that that I highly recommend this book. And it's called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer. And so both those are dynamic, good, powerful books to read on how to slow down and be in the moment. But the reason I'm preaching this today is we need more margin in our life. We need more room. We need more space for the things that are really important. And so as I begin today, let me ask some questions and I don't want you to answer until we get to the very end because I have about four questions for you. But the first question for you to consider and answering it, this is how many of you would, would say that you occasionally feel overwhelmed in life? Or maybe you might answer this question. You might say, well, how many of you feel exhausted in the evenings and when you get home, you just collapse on the couch and just get through the night? Before you answer, how many of you are feeling the impact from high inflation and you might be feeling a little financial pressure at time? Last question before you have to answer. How many of you would say that you wish you had a little more time for your family and a little more time for yourself? And so would you be honest with me and would you answer this on the count of three? Would you say that's me, one, two, three? Oh, I would probably answer it, oh, me. <laughs> like, that's me, but oh, me. That's all me. I, I feel the, the pressure today of pushing myself. And, and that's where people are. We, we push ourselves to, to the limits in our life. And most people live so close to the edge of their emotional capacity. They don't have room for one more thing to go wrong. Some people live at the edge of financial stress, and they don't have room for one more expense. So many of us live hurried and and busy lifestyles. We have no more room for anything else in our schedules. Our way of life today, it just, it's pressured to do more, to to have more, to make more, to accomplish more. It's just more, more, more. And I would argue this with us today that most of us live at an unbiblical pace of life that just stretches us to the limits. Even our children are stretched. Children are are pressured to the point of exhaustion today. They, They don't have the capacity just to To play and to enjoy life anymore. There's so much pressure on top of school and on top of homework. There's like several nights of of our children playing sports and they're they're doing, you know, drama practice and dance practice and they're going to cheerleading camp and they're just like, it just goes on and on and on. and, and, And we find that our children are spread thin as well. We're busy families are so busy today. We're so busy with things that, that, that pull families apart. We don't even have time for family time anymore. And in my opinion, and, and I'm going to give you an opinion, you don't have to agree with me. And that's fine with me. You, you don't have to agree. I'm right. So you might as well agree with me. But So I'm just going to tell you something. But in my opinion, one of the reasons we have most of our problems in America are because kids are not being raised at home around dinner tables anymore. Well, three of you agree, the rest of you will catch up. I promise you, it's part of the problems. Values are not being shaped at home. Values are being shaped by social media in our children's lives. They're learning the the values of life from social media and from TikTok, and they're finding the moralities out of those types of places. Other things are influencing our next generation rather than sitting around dinner tables imparting wisdom into our children we're missing it. Our families are out of bandwidth. Our kids are out of bandwidth. College students are out of bandwidth. Parents are out of bandwidth. We're all out of bandwidth. You know what bandwidth is? Bandwidth is the amount of data that can be transmitted all at one time. And when there's too much data trying to be transmitted at one time, then the internet slows down. Have you tried to look at a video and there's not enough uh, bandwidth for it to come through. And so the quality is poor. And I think what's happening is, is in our lives and in our families, we have busied up our schedules to the place that we don't have bandwidth in our life. And we now look like, have you seen the spinning wheel of death? This is what we look like in life. It kills me. I hate it when that happens. I stress out. I'm like, please come through wherever it comes. And what's happening is, is our bandwidth has put us in a position that we're just buffering in life. We're just spinning and we're working and we're trying and we're we're just running and we're hurrying. And and this is the result of life today. Buffering, the spinning wheel of death. When We're trying to push too many activities and we're trying to do more and trying to make more and try to have more. We're we're just running out of that personal bandwidth in life. And as a result, we have poor quality lives. We have poor quality family time. We have poor quality marriage relationships. And ultimately we have poor quality spiritual life as well. And the thing that we need is the thing we don't have, and that's margin in our life. So what exactly is margin? Well, margin is the amount you have available beyond what is necessary. We might say it like this, it's the difference between what you have and what is needed. As an example, let's say you need 10 minutes to drive to church and you leave 20 minutes before church that means you have 10 minutes of margin, right? And listen, I know you all need this lesson. Because I see a lot of you walk in about second song and I'm like, they didn't have any margin today, they hit all the red lights. Uh, hey, listen, that's a little low key, you know, passive aggressive, I get it. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just pointing out, a, making a point, that's all. Just making a point, don't blame me, I'm just the messenger. If you need $1,000 and you have $750 of bills, listen, if you need, let me say it again, if you have $1,000 and you need $750 to pay your bills, you have $250 of margin. We need margin in our life. What does it kind of look like? Well, margin is having fewer obligations at night and spending two, three nights of uninterrupted time with your family at home. Margin is having three car lengths distance between you and the car in front of you. Just in case that car wants to slam on their brakes, you have margin. There's this person, there's this person that I adore. I, I just, I love this this lady. I adore her. But there are times that she wants to encourage the car in front of her to hurry up because <laughs> My beautiful bride wants to be first. She wants to pass everybody. And when they're going slow, she will decrease margin and she'll get closer and closer. And I'm gripping the seat because I'm stressed because there's not much margin. Does anyone else have a spouse like that? Go ahead. I'm getting you in trouble, but I'll try to work you out of it later. Margin is having money left over at the end of the month. Have you ever heard of that concept? What? Margin would be having extra money to sow into the kingdom. Margin could be described as having significant time with God to pray and read your word. Instead of what is now happening where we get up late, we're busy, and we say, thank you, Jesus, for this day. Please bless me in Jesus' name. Amen. because we don't have margin. Simply put, margin is what we don't have. Let me share something with you to understand margin. As margin increases, stress decreases. So when you have more margin, then, then you don't feel the same pressure. If you have margin in your budget and you have an extra $500 a month that's not accounted for, and then you have an unexpected expense, it doesn't stress you out. Margin, margin. When margin decreases though, stress increases. And so when we don't have enough margin in life and and the things that we're doing, we feel the pressure and the stress building up inside of us. I'll, I'll share it like this. Have you ever, I know you have, we've all done this, been a little late to get somewhere? And you have, a, you have a meeting that you have to be at. It's important that you're there and you did not leave in time to give yourself margin. And so now you're on a rush now you're hurried. Now you're like in hustle mode to get there. Do you know there is a, a law of, of like, you know, I don't know. I'll just call it a demonic law that happens. The, the moment you are late to get somewhere, the devil has a way of causing all the traffic lights to turn red between you and that place to get there, right? Somehow just red, another red, uh, another red. And so you feel tension building up inside of you. Finally, you make it through the the last red light and you're about to get there and then someone's little grandma pulls out in front of you and she can't see over the steering wheel and she is just doing her best. And now you're behind her on a two-lane road and your stress level's going up, 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 you are tempted to honk your horn at somebody's little grandma up in front of you and you're decreasing margin because you're trying to encourage them all because you don't have margin. We need margin, amen? Take us to the book of Luke about two amazing women in scripture. Both of them are awesome and they have the best of intentions in life. One has margin, one does not have margin. It says in the book of Luke, chapter 10, it says, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him, opened to Jesus. And she had a sister and she was called Mary. And Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what was being said. Verse 40 says, but Martha was, say it with me, Try it again. Martha was distracted distracted by all of the preparations that had to be made. She came to Jesus and she asked him, she said, Lord, don't you care that, that my sister is sitting here with you instead of helping me do the work? He's like, tell her to go to work. Tell her to help me, she says. So here we have these two sisters. They're both followers of Jesus. They're both listed in scripture as amazing people. And now Jesus has come over for dinner. What a scenario, what a moment. They both had the same opportunity to be with Jesus. And Mary, she spent time with Jesus. She made the moment. She took the, the, the space, the, the room to, to be with Jesus. Now, I'm sure that she could have had some other responsibilities. We don't know. She probably had to do some grocery shopping. She may have had to sweep out her house or something. I don't know what her world was. Everybody has responsibilities, but she was present in the moment and sat at Jesus' feet. But we have Martha, on the other hand, is probably more like you and I, and she was distracted with her work. She was not doing something wrong. She wasn't, you know, in sin. She wasn't doing something evil. She was just distracted being busy. And honestly, I feel like that she was doing good things, but the good thing was distracting her from doing the most important thing that day. I I just was kind of imagining the scenario if, if we had received a text that Jesus was on his way to the Blevins household, I can only imagine the the load of work that would come. I can just hear Harriet, you know, like, you know, Tim, we got to get the, the best plates out and the candles and we if you ever go to our house we have lots of candles and so i'd be lighting candles for days and 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 we'd be you know the house would be clean and you know and she'd finally look at me and say go upstairs and clean up your mess before jesus sees how messy you are and you know i mean it would be all of that and of course like jesus would know my mess already but but she that I mean we would be busy wouldn't we wouldn't you be busy like we'd be so busy martha was distracted though with good things that kept her from the best things. I understand. I've heard it said that if Satan can't get you to sin, then he will get us to do good things in order to keep us from doing the best things in life. In other words, if he can't make you bad, he'll just make you busy. And our culture loves busy. We all love busy. We must, busy, busy, busy. Everybody's busy about something. We must love busy because listen, you, you know this, you can answer this question. If you go up to somebody and you say, hey, how have you been? What are they gonna say? They said, oh, I've been. Yeah, we love busy. Like busy is like our, our trophy. Like woo, I've been busy. Wouldn't it be funny if you ask someone though, hey, how you been lately? And they go, just chilling out, man, just sweet. Watch six hours of Netflix. It's been great. I don't do anything, man. I just, you'd be like, what's wrong with you? Or I want your life. I don't know which one. People love busy. We love busy. Have you had a good week? Yes. Yeah, been busy. Oh, cool. you know, a star. You're busy. We love busy. We don't even know what busy is. Like we just label it for everything we do. It's just busy. You may have a friend that attends church with you and you realize they haven't been here a few weeks and you say to them, hey, everything been okay? You know what they're gonna say? Oh yeah, we've just been so busy. We love busy. I want you to know that busy does not equal a meaningful life. As a matter of fact, busy might be distracting you from the things that matter the most in life. And can I make a confession to you today? I've been busy lately, so busy that I've been distracted from doing some things that I really wanted to do. I usually preach from a place of victory. I, I kind of have a, a, we have a kind of a thing, you know, don't preach on until you get victory in your life. And, and because I mean, you know, you want me to, yeah, that doesn't help if I just tell you, pray for your pastor, you know, like, but really pray for your pastor. I've been so busy lately and I'm like, I've had no margin lately and, and I've been doing important things and good things, but like the only thing I really wanna do is go, you know, hold, you know, Eli and Amanda's and our, our, you know, little grandbaby right now. And I'm like, I hadn't had time to do that. I'm like, what crazy is that? By the way, for the next, you know, six months, Harriet has, Harriet's smart, she has margin. Um, for the six months coming, you need to know, I'm gonna mention that grandbaby one way or another just to put it in there. But you know what, here's the thing though, when I get busy I, and I don't have enough margin in my life, I get tempted to skip on things, to, to try to get it all done. And so what happens is I'm tempted to skip my devotions. I'm, I'm tempted to skip going to the gym. I'm like, hey, I can put it off a day, what's gonna really matter for a day? I start skipping things, or I, I skip maybe like a date night with Harriet. I'm like, hey, I'm really busy, and I know we normally like to go out on this night, but, um, and, and I'm just, she'll, she'll understand because I am busy, and every, busy is like a star, like, you know. so. I feel it. Also as a bonus, when I when I run out of margin, I, I get easily frustrated and I get chippy with people. You ever get chippy? You know what chippy is. Like you're not really, you know, you're not really mean. You're just just chippy, just chippy, Harriet. I'm sorry, I've been a little chippy lately. Chippy, chippy. I don't want to be chippy, but that happens to all of us. And I think that's what happened to Martha here. She was chippy. The Bible says that she came to Jesus and she said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work? He's like, tell her to get up and go to the kitchen and do the dishes and quit sitting around and being lazy. You know, she was chippy. She loved her sister. You know, sometimes when we are low on margin, we make poor decisions in life. And we start skipping things that we need to be a part of. And here's what I wanna get into your heart for just a moment, because I find this very interesting, is that Martha was convinced that what she was doing was the most important thing. That's why she went to Jesus. She's like, she put a priority on being busy. And she's like, tell her to quit doing that and come be like me and busy. And this is the most difficult part of my message for all of us is that we believe that what we're doing is right and necessary in life, or we wouldn't be doing it. So we feel like this is right. And so, so it's, it's, how do we, how do we fix that? You know, like, what can we do? And cause that's this life we're busy. That's culture. It, it, that's just what it takes to be successful. And, and this is just how it is today. But church, I'm here to remind you that that success isn't worth it if you lose your family and you lose your opportunity to pour into your children godly values. More things and more stuff isn't worth it if you live under financial pressure. More isn't always better. And listen, I'm gonna take just a moment and go old school preacher on you. You know what an old school preacher is? An old school preacher, he shucks the corn, he tells the truth, and he steps on people's toes, and he doesn't even care, all right? So are you ready? I'm just going to go. I don't even care. I'm going to go old school. So you don't ask. You just do it. You just say, here we go. So listen, church, I want you to know that if you are too busy to be present with your children, then you're too busy, If you're too busy to go to church and come to church, then you're too busy. If you're too busy to pray and to read your Bible, then you're too busy and you better change your ways before you regret the outcomes. Now, if I am an old school preacher, now listen, old school preachers have old school churches. And old school churches, when they hear their old school pastor say something powerful, they stand up and they give a great cheer and say, preach it, pastor. So listen, church, you better make changes before you regret it. Can I get an old school church? Do we have any old school people? Give me an amen. I like pastoring a rowdy church. How do we make changes? The Bible says in Luke 10, 41, Martha, Martha, the Lord answered her. She just complained. And he says, you are worried and upset about many things. That's what a lack of margin does. You worry, you're upset about so many things. And he says, but few things are needed, only indeed only one, he says. And he says, Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. And here's the thing I want you to get, church. The choice is yours. You have agency over your life. Your calendar is your calendar. And you get to choose how you wanna spend your life. And I wanna encourage you to learn how to say no to the lesser important things so that you can say yes to the most important things. And did you know that the word no is a complete sentence? And you can say no to all kinds of things and just put a period after it, because we feel pressured. You know, somebody says, "Hey, uh, you know, you can can we grab lunch?" And you and you know, you're like, "Oh my gosh, I'm I'm so busy, but I probably should." And and you go, "Well, no, but here's the 35 reasons why I can't." When all you really have to say is, "Go, no." <laughs> and they like, say, "Thank you, though. Have a great day." No works. It's okay to say, no. Hey, listen, the Bible says in Ephesians five fifteen, it says, be very careful how you live, like pay attention to this. And we should live not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. What is this telling us? It's telling us how to make decisions on yeses and nos. And it's saying that that we have only so many opportunities and we need to be wise about the decisions that we invest our life into. We need to be wise, live as wise, not as unwise. And so here's how you may frame your question about whether or not I should do this or not do this. And you might say it like this. You might say, well, in light of, and I'll put a blank, is this wise? And so as an example, you might say, well, in light of my marriage, is this wise? In light of my marriage, should I take on this extra activity now that's going to crowd out time with my spouse? Is that wise? It may seem important, but if it's lesser than something that is crowding out, then it's less important. In light of my children, is this wise? I remember years ago when Eli and Bailey were, were very young and previously that I played a lot of golf with my dad and I loved golf, still loved golf. And, and, but I realized golf was really eating into family time in my life. And I had to make a choice. In light of being a parent, in light of being home, being, being present with my children, am I going to continue playing golf? Is this wise? And I chose children over golf, and I'll never regret a minute of it because I have a relationship with my children today where they respect me and they love me because I was present. Present. In light of my walk with God, is this wise? In light of my peace and joy, is this wise? In light of my financial stress, is this wise? That's the question of the day. And I'm gonna land this into my first closing. Without margin, people cheat on the most important parts of life. Without margin, we cheat because something has to give. We can't do everything. And we tend to cheat on the most important parts of life and we're successful at the wrong things. I believe God has created us in a way that we feel out of balance and we feel insecure and we feel stress when we're not focused on the right priorities. And then stress and anxiety and hopelessness set in on us because we're cheating on what matters most in life. And, and what do people cheat on? What is it they cheat on? Well. First, they, they cheat on their devotion time with God. It always happens. Christians do this all the time. We're busy and Lord, I, I know he'll understand. He's all grace and so I, I just gotta go. I'll, I'll catch it up another time. And, and we cheat on our devotion time with God. Do you know in years past, and by the way, it's 1231. <laughs> and I'm not quitting. If you have to go, go quietly. We'll pray for you, all right? Uh, I'm kidding. But listen, I, I, just, I, I don't wanna quit yet. I, I'm just having fun. So y'all okay? I hope you're okay, I don't care. I'm the old school preacher today. I'm just preaching on, let's go people. Listen, you know what happened years ago is people actually had these NIV study Bibles. They were like this thick. And you would sit with a lot of time and you would read your Bible We even read in the Old Testament, can you imagine that? But it had all these things in the back. You could look up a word and you'd have to flip through and there was cross references and concordances. And man, we studied in our Bibles and then then the life got a little busier. And so you know what happened? We we went from studying the Bible as I'm gonna read a chapter a day. And so that became the new norm. If you talk to Christians, how do you do your devotion time? A chapter a day, good job. And then as life got a little bit busier, we started handing out these one-year devotional Bibles. So, So it just really organized and you can get through it now a little quicker. You're like, okay. And so now, you know where it is today? You have a Bible app that gives you the verse of the day. And that's about as much Bible study that the average Christian gets today. And they're so proud that on the way to work, their phone popped up and said, here's the verse of the day and you read it at the stoplight and go, thank you Jesus and you just keep on rolling. Let me tell you something. That is not equipping you for the kingdom of God. That is not discipling your heart. That is not teaching you a biblical worldview. Listen, it's inspirational but it's not instructional in your life. And the problem is, is that people are just getting these little dabs will do you. And instead of digging in the word and reading through all the parts of the scripture, they're missing out on things that are happening in culture today. And they don't have an understanding of why homosexuality is wrong because they haven't read it in their Bible. Listen, when you get a little inspirational verse of the day, it never pops up that God judged Sodom and Gomorrah, for sexual homosexuality sin, therefore he judged it and dropped a salt bomb on them. Post that online, Woo! <laughs> Praise Jesus, I'm so inspired today. <laughs> and, and like you, inspirational verses don't come up to teach you about gender confusion. And so our kids aren't hearing it from their parents, they're not because parents don't know, we're like, I think it's wrong, You know, the preacher preached on it one time. I don't know. He either hates, you know, homosexuals or something. I don't know. And you know what happens? It's because we don't read it in the church. I have to bring it up and you don't have a biblical worldview. So you think something mean about me. It's not true. I love everybody. I love people. I love them so much. I don't want them to walk into a path that destroys their life too. And so we preach the whole gospel, but it would be great if we read the whole gospel because we had time with God and we weren't so busy relying on an app of the day. We cheat. We cheat on worshiping God at church because we're busy. We cheat on our family time. Listen, you may be at home, you may be in the room, but you're not in the room. Your mind is somewhere else at work. And we cheat on our soul. The Bible says, what good is it to gain the whole world and lose your soul. Amen. I'm gonna close one more time. <laughs> the most Googled topic, most Googled Bible verse in 2022. You wanna know what it is? I'm gonna leave a cliffhanger so you'll stay with me. This people will Google instead of go to their Bible today. All of God's promises are in the word, but they go to Google but it'll point you. But when you see what the most Googled Bible verse and topic is, it gives you an idea of what's going on in the hearts of Christians. And it's Isaiah 41.10, and it says, do not be dismayed. Some versions say, do not fear, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, I'll help you, I'll hold you with my righteous hand. And, and, and that's the verse, and, and so many people today are dismayed, they're, they're overwhelmed, they're stressed, they're fearful of so much going on. And, and the Bible is saying that God will strengthen you. And that's what they're looking for. But I wanna remind you of this, that some of the things that we need in our life are directly from God and He just imparts and He does a healing and He refreshes and He does something. It's just a spiritual encounter with God. But also sometimes when you go to God and you say, God, I I feel overwhelmed, I feel stressed, would you help me? And he's gonna say to you, he said, absolutely, I have great help for you. I want you to listen to your pastor preach on margin and I want you to do what he said. (laughs) Thus saith the Lord. Amen, church. My last close. (laughs) Cheat on lesser important things so that you can be present in the most important things in life. Amen. Father, I thank you for this church. And I ask that you give us the courage to say no to lesser things, yes to what's important. And Father, if there's people here that have never begun a relationship with Jesus Christ, would you let this be a holy moment? I don't know how you got here. You're hearing a message on margin today. And the purpose of that is so we can spend more time with God. And I want you to begin that relationship with him today. God loves you. He cares about you. All of us has fallen in sin. It's Jesus that died on the cross for our sin so that we can be forgiven and free. All you have to do is believe on Jesus Christ. And if that's you today and you'd say, Pastor, I wanna begin a relationship with God. I want my sins forgiven. I wanna begin today. If that's you, would you lift your hand to me in the room real quick? Just lift it up real high. I see you, God bless you. I see you, God bless you. You can put your hand down. Let's all pray this together with those that raise their hand. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you, He loves me, God loves me. And I turn to Jesus today for forgiveness of sins. I receive it. I am free from all my shame. Today, I choose to serve Jesus all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen, church. Amen, God bless.